So clearly the idea of match was is more important than idea of play. So we had to lobby, we had to work hard. There were schools who provision five periods a week, one period a day for sports. In fact, much later government came in with a mandate. Welcome to the Sports Fish Show. Today we have with us Mr. Parminder Gill, co-founder of Sports Village and head of the Sports Village Foundation Vertical. Sports Village designs and implements sports interventions to drive change in the health, education and empowerment of the disadvantaged children and communities. Their programs are currently impacting over 700,000 children and youth in all parts of India. Today, we'll be diving into the importance of sports and its impact on society and the youth more importantly. Let's dive into it. Hello Parminder, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Very well. Uh, thank you for having me Ananya on your show. Pleasure is all mine. The first question is usually to learn more about your journey and uh, I know that you've had a journey in IT, you have a science background. How did you switch and make the jump to sports? How do you draw parallels between the two industries? Well, it seems like a long time ago, but let me just recall some memories from when that happened. So I think, uh, you know, for me, um, for many people, entrepreneurship typically fills in the, uh, what I call it, blank spaces between, in between jobs. And uh, for me, it's the other way around. So, uh, you know, corporate jobs have been, have been filling in my stint, long stint as an entrepreneur, uh, let's put it this way. So I think uh, early on after graduating, I worked for a few years before I started my first venture, uh, which was in IT um, in Bangalore in India at that time. And um, uh, so I think about five years at that before I started to go south and I decided to park myself in a business school. Uh, after graduating again, I then I worked with IT industry for some years until um, my second stint in entrepreneurship, um, which happened uh, more serendipitously, uh, I mean, owing to a dear friend, often tell him he conned me into it, not that I had a, uh, and this was sports um, piece that he was running at that time. And um, I dabbled with it for some time before I was headlong into it, was fully in love with it because the whole idea of uh, active lifestyle, fitness, and the societal impact. that really really resonated with me uh, so much so it became uh, uh, my life's work um, after that uh, in terms of what we did uh, together in terms of parallels uh, you know uh, when we started uh, our venture all of us in fact came from it background uh, the co-founders of the of sports village and uh, you know our first uh, notion was to build scale uh, build platform build content which it typically does in in good measure and our first ever business plan that we created had about 10000 and this school outreach program that we were wanting to launch at that time uh, it had 10000 schools by year 2 uh, given this uh, the whole idea of scaling and uh, platform uh, but we actually came to execute this we realized that um, it doesn't work that way sports is very very different industry and and um, uh, by the way by second year we had done 100 schools just take Uh, two zeros off from there um and what happened was when we went to schools with um, our platform content all that they said that's all fine but who will run the program on the ground and and that's where we had to actually embrace the idea of being a services um, organization so i think what has what is important is the early investment that we made in the venture was in it and uh, thought a uh, scale thought um, content thought uh, remote um and because of that we were able to build a uh fairly uh, you know highly distributed program which which would run across uh, the country so so there are some parallels but i think i really can't compare the two it is very very mature industry and um, sport is still 
early stages, not central to the market yet, um, at least in India. So, so that's where I would put it at this point. That's a very interesting point you put across there. Do you think that sports will take a lot more time to mature? Uh, is that just in India or do you see from your experience or your talks worldwide that, that that's happening worldwide as well? So it depends on who you are and where, where you're looking at. If you look at the, um, you know, the idea of sport as a lifestyle um, in India, I would say in fancy, but if you walk into the re- large retail stores, um, uh, let, let me name Decathlon over here, uh, you would see them crowded, which was not so uh, many years back. So uh, it's not that all the people going there uh, would like to buy the gear to play or to go on a hike or adventure. Uh, it's more of lifestyle at this point in India. So I think there are pockets where there is maturity. Uh, for instance, in India, the onset of leagues, right, before at least COVID happened, uh, I thought gained a lot of traction in very short duration. Beyond IPL, you had at least five or six other leagues. You had um, media that was um, you know, available, uh, which is very much required for the whole industry to work together. <clears throat> if you look at education, where we have spent a lot of time is still early stages. Um, you know, we have just got the national education policy that came out a few months ago in India. Now that has now emphasized that play is central to the idea of education of a child, not just as a physical education or sports education as a subject, which is those two periods a week that you run, but actually you can teach math and science using play. And to us, that's a, that's a more fundamental shift in the thinking. And I guess that cultural context or societal context of when play gets integrated at that level, hopefully will, will make uh, the country far more aware and uh, invested in the idea of uh, sports. So I would say pockets of maturity, but a large uh, open opportunities or, or uh, early uh, stage context, um, uh, which are not yet scaled to the level that we all hoped or we hope that it would be there. Right. Absolutely. Also, why the idea of Sports Village? Why the idea of a dedicated platform for the youths and maybe not another age group? Yeah, so, you know, when we started uh, Sports Village, the the vision was very simple, which was to get children to play, right? And children, uh, we are seeing of all age groups, even some of us could be called as children because all of us love to play in that sense. There's a natural impulse to do that. And, and so, I mean, for our generation, uh, I'm much older. So we actually practically grew on streets. I mean, that's what I remember. The fondest memories of my childhood came from, um, you know, playing on streets with my friends, not from a math or English classroom um, or anything like that. And uh, as parents, it was our experience and, as, and the acute um, knowledge that our children were not going through that in the school system or outside made us more and more um, aware of the problem that uh, I think we were facing. And we felt the idea of uh, making play central or making offering the primacy it requires was an important aspect. And that's where the, the whole um, genesis uh, started. <clears throat> Over time, of course, a bunch of experiments that we got into, you know, when uh, we, we hired grounds, got children together to play there in a holistic manner. Um, we went to apartment complexes. We tried various uh, pieces on what will stick, what, what will scale. Um, almost after five years, as my dear friend and, and co-founder and CEO of Sports Village, she says, uh, we actually knew um, what will not work um, in this whole space and what will work, we still did not know. And that's where I think two lines, clear lines emerged for us after the initial experimentation. One was in sports education and we um, thought of work was investment was in that area after that. And the second was the whole idea of, uh, of sports marketing, where how can you get corporates or brands to 
embrace the idea of sport as part of their marketing or brand building programs that seemed to stick well and and i think we spent some time uh, and over time it became as another line of uh, uh, business for us and uh, the sports excellence theme came in on top of that uh, these two programs which is the whole idea of doing academies and and getting children into elite programs in sports came as a third um, uh, piece there so this, this is a just a quick background of i think what led us to um, start this and what was the initial um, experimentation rightly that was actually going to be my next question is that sports sports village has such different verticals uh, each has its own purpose how do those different verticals sort of tie in together to achieve this one large goal so you know the the idea of getting children to play if we keep that central and that's our driving force our guiding principle in whatever we have done um, now on one side if i map uh, you know who pays for our programs uh, where where does the money come from so clearly there's a one segment of schools uh, these are private schools that fund our programs directly in a b2b manner then there are corporates and brands that fund our programs whether it is through their marketing mandate um, for the uh, uh, brand related spend or for the csr or or social responsibility mandate where uh, we want to fund programs or offer quality of experience to underprivileged children um, we have both these programs and, and the third the last and that is the consumer the parent itself who is funding our programs uh, in terms of uh, where the academies and, and more recently the digital programs that we've launched after covid has come which are directly uh, focused on that so these are three fundamental stakeholders in terms of people that fund or pay for programs in terms of how we are structured uh, in terms of different lines so schools uh, we call it sports village schools is the uh, by far uh, most scaled and uh, deepest line of business that we have where uh, we integrate sport into the core education process in the school system you know that mature tools like curriculum content assessments program monitoring uh, teacher parent training and stuff like that um, we work very closely with both the state and central governments uh, in this area and that part of the curriculum committees to help them integrate the idea of play and sport into the core curriculum so that's one big uh, uh, piece for us and we believe that's very important because if you uh, see it in sport uh, in the primary years of formative years of a child it remains um, seeded as they become adults and then they grow and over time hopefully the culture shift will come from this generation when it graduates and and uh, uses sport uh, in a in a in man is very different from the previous generations have done the second piece for us is the uh, sports village academies which is the whole sports excellence piece uh, we look at uh, talent development talent uh, identification it's basically offering a pathway to children who want to become athletes or sports persons I work with different partners here again at different levels um the third uh, line of business is sports village uh, xp which is uh, our sports marketing or experiential sports marketing uh, programs for brands to meet their marketing goals uh, here also the whole idea of visible social impact is is a key measure a goal uh, for us and sport is a social uh, tool in my view and which is why by corollary anything that we do around it will be focused on uh, deep impact on the societal process as well uh, and we work with top brands uh, uh, you know we name all the sports brand nike reliance nba boost milo hcl so there big roster of clients that we have as part of that uh, and the last uh, uh, line is the sports village foundation which is uh, to work with underprivileged children disadvantaged communities uh, girls um, uh, and and we have large programs here with again grants and uh, csr funding from the corporate and other grant making bodies as well as from the government so so this is the this is the uh, whole idea but if you look at how do we map this um, 
together how does it work so if you look at a a child's uh, sports journey or or the journey right from the time when they are in the school system and then they grow up um, older so whether in the school so idea of playing idea of integrating that uh, as part of that i think comes in there and as they grow older they may either pick up playing at a competitive level so the sports excellence theme fits in there or they may use sport um, to engage uh, as a lifestyle or or self actualization in some form or the other and uh, the fitness programs the whole idea of uh, getting getting them to stay active or give them a social context around it uh, is another uh, piece that that focuses from our side and over time as they grow older so as youth uh, you stay uh, you know with amateur sports or elite sports based on who you are and uh, and some of our work uh, focuses on that so i think the idea of mapping this whole journey of a child to youth continuum and how do we then our different pieces of our program help the helps a child become better uh, version of herself is is how i think we're teaching this together thank you for taking us through that that's definitely a very holistic overview and a uh, great to hear about on that note though what are the challenges that you faced early on you mentioned that you knew some things will work out some things won't work out what were some of those challenges maybe which cities uh, was it difficult to establish sports culture in or the, that active life, lifestyle what was your pitch to those schools and and the youth and the parents of uh, those kids you know you mentioned schools and i remember when we started to to go and knock on on the doors of uh, school trustees or school principals or all that so i, I remember 9 out of 10 threw us out uh, when we initially started um, to tell them what we did uh, for a living which was to Um, you know, and they would say, "We have a physical education teacher. We have the props and equipment. So, what do you do?" And uh, uh, so then, I think we had to show them. Look, look at a maths class or an English class. We shot videos of a physical education class or a games period, so-called games period. Um, and we brought their attention to the idea that uh, a maths class has content, which means if it's a period number fourteen of the year, the maths teacher will be able to tell you exactly what lesson plan she would run. how she will run and when she would test it and how she would test it uh, which is not the case in sport you would just show up on the ground and play if you will or the pe teacher would do something based on what they wanted as the structure was missing and it was uh, you know maybe it was felt that play comes naturally um, unlike uh, language or numeracy where all the investments are going but uh, we had to tell that play does not come naturally it has to be taught um, as a skill if as a older child or a girl or a boy you can't throw a ball over and throw because nobody taught you not because you are in any way lacking in any of the child so these are fundamental skills the motor competence or the fundamental skill development is a is a right of a child to develop and unless they are schools are focused on that or parents are focused on that it will not happen so i think this this advocacy this this whole idea of approaching it just as a normal subject and in offering it the the uh, investment and credibility it requires including the time you know and you have five math periods uh, um, uh, or six a week and you have only one or two physical education periods a week if i would compare so clearly the idea of math was is more important than idea of play um, so we had to lobby we had to work hard there were schools who provision five periods a week uh, one period a day for uh, sports and in fact much later government came in with a mandate um, uh, saying a compulsory period every day that happened after a lot of uh, years of work and uh, uh, lobbying from our side 
The second aspect, uh, Ananya, is the whole idea of parents. Uh, and, and, and I can't blame them because they're parent myself. Now, we all are concerned and about how our children will end up uh, uh, based on what they do in school system or otherwise. And, and if I focus on sport, I would only feel that unless my child is succeeding at it, which means they're trying at least getting me some medals to start with, I will sustain with that. If they aren't, then I would not have them play, right? So the, the whole focus in the extremes, either you are elite or you're not. This is a big binary there. But if you're just playing and uh, then you're asking, well, why are you playing? I mean, uh, and the fear is that you may amount to nothing if you did not focus on anything else. So that's, that was one fundamental, I think, uh, view. And, and that's changing a little, uh, changing largely because of maybe in countries like India, economic development, we no more come from the idea of scarcity as our previous generation did. And, and we are able to ground that extra um, context to children to, to play and to learn and, and, and do things. So that's also helping in, in getting sport uh, into the core societal lifestyle in some form. Um, but I think the schools reflect society and, and they reflect what parents feel and, and do, and they do exactly what the parents want. So ultimately it is people like us who are sending our children into schools. What, are, what do we want from what is called an education in a school or good education in a school? Um, and I think that's the play or sport is uh, finding its, uh, its um, primacy or, or its due um, in many pockets, uh, let's say, in, in, in the country. But a lot more can be done. Um, and, and schools is, I think, the starting piece. Uh, and I think some of our experiences there have been very, very heartening. Uh, positive experiences is what I'm referring uh, to. Absolutely. So today we see a lot of these programs taking place. There's a lot of... Um, good culture that's being integrated as well into schools and hopefully the mindset and uh, the culture around the attitude around sports is changing but how do you take this database to deliver a larger impact does the data of having so many kids uh, in the program deliver or cater to a larger goal a larger impact that needs to be unlocked or achieved no i think it's a very interesting question because when we started working with schools or parents or children see one of the battles that we fought was that getting a medal should not be the outcome to engage in the idea of sport because a child naturally wants to play and and, and since the child never plays to uh, win a medal at least the starting point is not that um, they just play to have fun with friends and, and all of us play to have a social context around it and we just go out and play because of that over time i think some of us find that we are playing far far better than others and i think we tend to but if you look at the idea of an outcome in a school system the medals is a very, very elite piece. It's almost like unless you score 90% or more in math, um, you, know, you can't be in that advanced class kind of a feel which I get. So we had to uh, fight that battle by seeding in more democratic measure of success, uh, which was fitness, uh, uh, engaging in sport. So we created the idea of fitness index or fitness of children. Um, and that required data. That required data for us to measure where the children were, and if they played, uh, did they be, uh, become fitter? Uh, and the data would show. Um, so that was one use case of how we use data to, to see in the idea of fitness is an important goal. And it can be measured. And you can see a child improving regardless of the, uh, the elite programs that uh, you, know, you may want. The second piece, I think, which, uh, which uh, happened in parallel 
was the idea of running these programs at scale um, across meant that we had to collect a lot of data uh, being a distributed model. We are a Bangalore-based uh, uh, firm and, and we've had programs or have programs running all around India. So, so unless we have these technology platforms and data which, which comes in um, hourly, daily basis, we can't run or offer the quality of uh, experience to our uh, parents, children or so I think that has been an essential backbone of our work. And I mentioned early on, because of IT background, some of us ended up investing in that earlier. But I think over time, it helped. Uh, in fact, today, you would be surprised we're using fitness data. In fact, it is one of our, one of our properties that, uh, in fact, media publishes annual health survey, which is powered by us every year on the state of health of children in India. And a lot of um, papers are written or articles that are written use that data in terms of what have we found in, 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 in children. So that's one uh, piece. The second, what it also allows, it allows us to correlate with the other, for instance, you know, academic correlation of fitness. For instance, we are saying that children who play also tend to do better in classrooms. Now we have the data to prove that. We have done studies which allows to correlate the children who are playing um, in structured programs also are doing better in classrooms, not the other way around. And that allows us to build that uh, positive connotation uh, with that. We've also very recently started to measure what we call as social emotional skills, which is the whole idea of inner experience of a child. You can't see it, but uh, there's a way to measure it. So we have tried to you know, start to measure that and which is an important determinant or goal from a sporting program and we're using it a lot across, especially with the underprivileged children because sport can play a very, very different role in the meeting the development outcomes of, of these children. And then the SEL or social emotional learning peace becomes very, very important. Uh, That's very interesting. Absolutely. Uh, especially, hopefully, the data that kids who play sports and children who play sports tend to perform better in classrooms do lure in a lot of parents and change their mindset. But on that note, what are some of those causes for through which uh, or because of which children are dropping out of sports? Uh, and has Sports Village tried to counter those as well? You know, the biggest reason, and I, I could be wrong, but my experience is that, you know, people say children drop out when they are closer to um, secondary schools or when the pressures of uh, you know, performance and academics grows high. But my personal view is that children drop out because they stop having fun. Um, if it is fun enough, and I, in fact, you know, my child uh, plays or uh, online gaming uh, along with the sports that he does, um, while uh, you know they're coping up with um, the academic rigor which is required and they're able to sustain it because it is fun it is it is so to me uh, the idea of fun is is very very critical uh, because that's a whole fundamental so when you say play play actually equates to fun fun is a very intrinsic element and if you and i've used we use play a lot um, more than sport because sport tends to be a little more regimented elitist uh, or at least the memories it, it conjures of athletes who go through very hard discipline and at the highest levels. Dissuades a lot of uh, kids from, from engaging at that level of uh, pursuit. So I think the idea of play and fun, if it goes away, the child would drop. In fact, we have a bigger problem of child children not starting to play, not engaging with sport. We are lucky if they found music, math or science or some other constructive pursuit based on who they were. But we are very unlucky the whole generation may be passing through without playing uh, at all uh, or without knowing uh, what uh, fun it is. So I think to, to me, the, the, it's a lesson for us, the people who are called as educators or administrators or policymakers 
and in various roles that we play how can we continue to use uh, play and fun as a as a goal um, of course the the idea of learning environments can coexist with the idea of fun fun is just not that i'm just sitting and giggling or laughing all the time fun is i'm engaged um, so much so that the most fun moments have a lost sense of time and those are the most engaging moments i've had uh, personally and to me that's fun uh, and i would come back to do that again and again if sport does that to you you will never drop off uh, uh, from sport so somewhere i think there is this balance which goes away in my view which makes it uh, harder uh, or maybe other parties seem more fun not because they are more pressing they are more fun let me put it this way um and uh, and which is why that happened which is why the idea of in curriculum in pedagogy in school systems you know how can you ensure that the fun element continues the gamification of it the big uh, lesson today if you look at the online gaming is the whole idea of is fun and and i think hats off to the creators who are able to inject that and 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 there's no dropping off in fact there's no dropping on which is happening there that's a very important point thank you for sharing that as well uh, the next segment is a rapid fire segment to just get your thoughts on a few pertinent factors so the first question would be what books would you recommend to becoming a better leader and a manager in sports yes yeah, so it'd be unfair for me to just call out few books which i have read because ultimately it depends on who you are and what you what your interests are but in a broad you know my interests personally have been more in marketing entrepreneurship psychology and um, more uh, recently development uh, developmental economics and things like that but i have like books around these subjects so i have initially um, i liked everything that peter drucker wrote because i thought him to be a Uh, a sage uh, management uh, guru in some form and uh, then uh, of course there are books uh, entrepreneurship you know um lu um, gersner wrote one book called um, um you know why can't elephants dance it was an ibm it was about to go broke and he came and changed it the whole culture changing of that i think had a profound uh, impact on how can you change a large organization which was going to its ruin to one of the best organizations maybe in 5 to 8 years time um i liked shoe dog uh, phil knight nike if, if a sports fan you would love uh, the story of how he built nike so some of these off late uh, i mean uh, three more recent books are there's a poor economics i read of abhijit banerji in terms of um very interesting book with a lot of data on on uh, what can ch- countries do that have so i think some of these books uh, have had some impact and and and, and i'm i'm sure if you based on your interest you can pick some of this uh, it will just help you become better of whatever you're trying to do three skills you would recommend for a better career in the sports industry you know the the okay so uh, uh, disclaimer uh, you don't have to be an athlete or a sports person to be in sports industry in fact it can become a liability in my view i would rather that you are not an athlete and and in business of sports and you should treat it as a business give the same respect as you would give any other business in that sense um but having said that i think a non trivial interest i would say abiding interest but non trivial interest and enthusiasm the idea of sport um is uh, and demonstrated by actual behavior in terms of you have done internships you have been around the whole idea of of sport i think so that's one important um uh, attribute and maybe the second is the somewhere i feel that you should have humanistic or more societal leanings um uh, you should be worried about the social impact um as an individual it, i mean i've just seen that some of us who've stuck around for very very long time have had that uh, attribute in in ourselves to uh, be able to support in whichever way we can 
And the last, of course, adapting to change. You know, like I mentioned, some pockets which are matured, some pockets which are in infancy. The sport uh, is changing every two years completely sometimes, and COVID is one such uh, trigger. So unless you have that adaptability or agility to change quick, quickly, uh, it's not an industry for you. I think you should have the appetite to, to manage. Uh, so these two, three aspects. Stamina, of course, is, I'm not saying it's a sports attribute, but it's, it's an important attribute, uh, even as a career, if you want to be a, in a career in the sports industry. And last question on this. One word that describes the Indian sports ecosystem, according to you? Uh, I'll give you two. One is glass half full. Um, uh, but I take it as a, as a very big opportunity um, uh, uh, in, in context of India. So, you know, while we haven't done a lot, but a lot can be done. So I'm taking it more positively and saying there's a large opportunity for sport or play. Uh, in fact, uh, that's our vision as well, to use it as a mass social transformation tool. Thank you. Um, and absolutely last question would be, what do you have planned next for Sports Village? What are some of your targets for 2021 and beyond? So the vision uh, that we set up or uh, started out was uh, born, uh, I mean, uh, getting children to play. So I think the vision of getting 100 million children to play, uh, in fact, with the recent trends, especially after COVID, with the digital adoption of, uh, of a sport, call it digital or digital as, as the buzzword could be. But there is a massive surge in the adoption of uh, digital programming of uh, Sport. So uh, we feel that the vision of touching life, 100 million lives through sport or play could be nearer than away. So we are very, very gung-ho about um, uh, gaining uh, on that vision. The second uh, part, part remains that how can we use, uh, offer the sport, offer sport its primacy as a social trans mass social transformation tool. And on digital, I think I would also want to say that we have invested recently a lot. Last eight, nine months have been uh, very, very interesting years for us. In months for us, we have invested in digital platforms, in data collection, built content solutions around mainstream use cases, right? Right from how can you do computational thinking using play to girl empowerment uh, or, or digital self-defense programs, just to give you some examples of that. Uh, so there is a massive content layer which has come in. And our belief is that this content layer will help us build those individual relationships with the parents and children, also called consumers, and use the uh, data to offer that lifetime value. And I walked you through the journey of, of a child in sport. So I think allows us to map that fully. And I think for us this year is going to be a focus on how do we use the data analytics and digital programming along with the physical piece, which has been there to, to complete the whole story. That's very interesting. I look forward to that. That brings me to the end of my questions. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your time and your insights with us. Uh, really hope, hope to see more kids on the ground through your programs. Thank you so much. Thank you for running the show and it was, it was a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you everybody for tuning in. At the Sports Biz Show, the aim is to get you the best interviews, trends and tips from the world of sports business. It will be really helpful if you could subscribe and rate the podcast. This would go a long way in helping the show get discovered and add value to more sports biz enthusiasts and professionals like yourself. Please feel free to connect on LinkedIn or Instagram. Links will be in the description. Thank you and until next time, keep the Josh high.